In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who brings to us a reality that we can live into. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we are continuing our series in Ephesians, and uh, today we're especially taking a look at Ephesians starting f- in chapter 4, verse 25, so if you don't have uh, your Celebrate out or your bulletin out, that might be helpful. Um, again, I'm not going to be going exactly off of that translation because my Bible is a little bit different, so you get to sort of see how translations might be a little bit different, um, and uh, what we're going to do is we're going to jump through all of these verses and and sort of see where Paul is heading today and um, and, and what this has to do with getting real in the church. And uh, part of being real in the church is um, is to simply be be truthful. Um, And and that's where Paul starts off in, in this little section. So he starts off, therefore having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. And uh, I don't know about you, but um, I, I think that probably a lot of people that um, are, are in uh, maybe uh, fifth grade to seventh grade, you're kind of playing around with who you are in, and your identity. And sometimes you're kind of like, I'm just a fifth grader or a seventh grader, and my identity was, well, it's kind of lame. Um, and uh, I grew up as a very imaginative kid. And as a very imaginative kid, one of my temptations in life that I gave into um, was uh, I would use my imagination in order to make my life better. Um, and, and that showed up in these sort of, well, they were lies that I would tell about myself. And uh, just so that I could look cool. Now, of course, I was a fifth grader to a seventh grader, so I didn't quite have down that whole thing of um, this is believable and this isn't. Um, and, and so I would sort of always ramp it up. And, uh, like, I have an appendix scar uh, from when I was 11 years old, and uh, they took out my appendix. Well, yeah, that turned into a knife fight. <laughs> And I was stabbed at 11. And, 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 and I came from the Philippines. I, I did a lot of this like when I came here. And so people were like, oh, really? Because the Philippines, it's exotic. And um, yeah, maybe he was in a knife fight. And I, but, but I did these sort of things. And, um, and I've repented of that and asked for forgiveness. Uh, but I, I would always sort of ramp up who I was by telling these lies by speaking these falsehoods about myself. And I would essentially be faking who I was. And there were other things, too, that I would say, well, this is who I am, but it really wasn't who I am. It was this sort of conjured-up person that I thought sounded a whole lot better than what I did. And it sort of revealed that I really had that, my deepest core didn't feel that I was really that great of a person. And so I, I faked it. I faked that I was this cool kid that got into knife fights. And I faked that I was all of this other stuff. And that's exactly what Paul is saying that we should not do. 
Because we're all tempted into doing that. In fact, it's one of the major reasons that we lie. When we lie, one of the the reasons that we do that, we lie to keep ourselves out of trouble. We lie to, um, uh, to manipulate other people. But we also lie in order to make a reputation for ourselves and make that reputation falsely. And so maybe you're not sort of going all the way with it. Maybe you're not telling people that you were in a knife fight when you had surgery. But there's something about that. Maybe it's a little white lie that you just, you know, you say, well, yeah, this is kind of who I am. Or maybe it's something where you actually just don't correct somebody when they they are seeing you highly and you know that you're actually more of a despicable character than that. And so Paul is saying, let's put away the falsehood. Let's get real here. Let's talk about who we really are deep down inside. And so who I really am deep down inside is the kid who tried to pass off his appendix scar as a knife fight. And there's plenty of stuff probably in your life where you can say, well, yeah, this is sort of a lie that that I've uh, told about myself in one way or another. And Paul is saying, now apply that to the church. Apply that to how people in church see you. Do people in church see you as more righteous, more good than what you really are? Or are you kind of, you know, you're okay with yourself and you're going to let everybody know about it? Um, And Paul says, okay, now that we've got that down, let's talk about some of this real stuff. Let's talk about some of the ways that we sin and maybe even try to cover it up later. And, And let's be real here. And the first thing that he gets real about is anger. And it's interesting the way that he talks about anger, because anger is one of those things that we try to cover up in ourselves. We try to act like we never get angry. But Paul says, let's be real about it, and let's actually talk about anger. So here's what he says. He says, be angry. It it says, be angry in the Bible. Go ahead, be angry. And do not sin. He adds that on afterwards. But be angry. Sometimes we kind of think, well, you know, I have these emotions that are deep down inside of me, but with church people and with just kind of generally my life, I need to take those emotions and I need to suppress them down. So maybe it's anger for you. Maybe it's joy. Maybe you feel like when you come here you're supposed to be like super somber and never have a good time. Um, I know that when I was going to the seminary that this was a big thing when people would come back from communion that um, they would always leave communion looking like Jesus had hit them with his cross. When it should be Jesus just gave me his body and blood, and now I know that I'm good. I should be smiling. I should be rejoicing. This is a very special, intimate time, but it's a great time. And so, Paul is saying, okay, your feelings are valid. Your anger is valid. Just don't let it lead you into sin. And he he goes on about how you do that. He says... Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Give no opportunity to the devil. So, on the one hand, he says, go ahead, be angry. Go ahead, have those feelings. Do whatever you have to do. But then, do something about it. If you're angry, go and talk to somebody about the fact that you're angry. Go and talk to them and say, you know, I'm really having a hard time liking you right now. And the reason for that is this. And maybe it's something that you have to confess about yourself, or maybe it's some opportunity that you have in yourself to lead them 
to see a way in which they have hurt you. But whatever it is, go ahead. Don't give any opportunity to the devil. Give an opportunity to God to come into that relationship and come into whatever is making you angry and allow that to be a good thing. Don't give an opportunity to the devil, but give an opportunity to the Lord of the church who brings us together by his forgiveness. And then he goes on, and he goes on to this this thief. And most of us are uh, probably like, well, I'm not a thief, so and, and that's for real. I, I don't steal things, and so I don't need to listen to this next part. Uh, and, and that's, you know, uh, probably true in your life, I don't know. Um, some of you probably steal music on the internet. Um, and, and so, yeah, uh, maybe this does apply to you. Um, and, and, and so there's all sorts of fun stuff in there. But he says... He's talking about this thief. And whatever it is, it's actually interesting to see how he does this. How he actually encourages this thief to work things out. And so, what he says there is, let the thief no longer steal. So, thieves, stop stealing. That's the command, and now he's going to follow it up, just like the last command. last command was, be angry, but do something about it. This one is, don't steal and do something about it. So here's the do something. But rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he might have something to share with anyone in need. Now what an interesting idea that is. That the thief who was taking stuff, that what we would probably say if we were given the opportunity to say something about somebody who steals stuff, is we would say, let the thief stop stealing. Let that thief work so that he or she might be able to support him or herself. And we would leave it there. But that's not where Paul leaves it. Where Paul leaves it is he says, let the thief have enough so that he or she has enough to feed him or herself or have whatever they want and then to be able to have more than that so that they can share it with other people. Maybe other people that are being tempted into stealing. And so you kind of see the pattern that Paul is setting up here that he's saying, do this. Or don't do this, in the case of stealing. And then, do something about it. Go over the top. So he's saying, this is a sin. This is how you handle that sin. Now this is the good work that goes along with it. And so you have, don't be angry, go and be reconciled. Don't steal, actually make enough that you can share with other people. And then he goes on with something that we are almost always tempted into. And several of us have a problem with this because I've seen it in the things that you've written down in the attitude part in your transformation thing. Um, This is, is one of those big sins, is controlling our tongues. It's figuring out how we control our tongues when somebody out there is making us angry. Because that's where we always usually go, is, oh, that person, I really can't stand them. Did you see that the way they, wear, the way they wore their hair today? Grr. Paul says this. He says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And so again, you see, there's this command. 
don't let corrupting talk come out of your mouths. But there's more to it than that. It's not just stop speaking badly about others. Anybody ever watch the movie Bambi? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thumper. Thumper gets, um, uh, his mom kind of elicits this response out of him. Uh, and, uh, and so Thumper is saying something sort of negative about flour. And his mom says, now, what did I tell you? And he sort of sheepishly says, anybody remember? If you can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all. Yeah. That's what, what we kind of leave it at, though. Like, okay, I can't say anything nice, so I am just going to shut up. Paul says, no, that's not where you stop. You actually build that person up. If you can't say anything nice about that particular part of their life, find something else. That is a fantastic shirt you're wearing today. I hate your hair, but that's a fantastic shirt. Build them up. And it probably shouldn't be as shallow as something like hair and shirt. It should be something deeper. Something that really builds them up. And so what Paul is saying throughout this is he's saying all of these things, all of these negative things, the way that you deal with anger so that it is a bad thing, the way that you are tearing people down with your mouth, the way that you're stealing from people, those are all bad things. And all of those things, they grieve the Holy Spirit. That's the next section that he says. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Now why would that grieve the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit knows you. He knows you better than what I do. And I know that you're stealing music from the internet. The Holy Spirit knows that you're a sinner. So why does it grieve you? Why does it grieve the Holy Spirit that He knows that you sin? Well, the reason is that the Holy Spirit has sealed you for a day. A great day that's coming when Christ returns. That day that is the resurrection. That day when everything is going to be all put together and everything is going to be okay. And anger and um, uh, talking about people in the wrong way and theory, those are all going to disappear. And what Paul is saying here is that the Holy Spirit wants you to start living into that experience now. My brother is a financial advisor, and uh, he, he's just re- recently that. He, he's been in the job now for about uh, two and a half years, and he said that one of the most um, uh, difficult things for a new financial advisor to do is actually to go and talk to people who are affluent, people who are wealthy. And the reason that it's so difficult for them to do that is that if you know anything about financial advisors, when they start off, they're poor. They're not pulling in a whole lot of money right away. And so when they go and they talk to somebody who is affluent, who is wealthy, it's hard for them to take a look at their financial portfolio and not feel like they're outclassed, to actually give the financial advice that they need to do. And so he said, one of the best things that helped me out through that period is that my trainer told me, fake it until you make it. He said, when you walk into that house, fake that you're affluent, that you're wealthy, that you have all of this money. Because eventually you will, was the idea. 
the way that it gets put probably in, in a more um, uh, more understandable context or maybe um, uh, at least a different context is there's a Harvard Business Review guy who uh, Harvard Business Professor who says that we always think that the future is the end to our present means. When in fact, the truth of it is that our present is the end to the means of our future. What he's saying is that if we truly believe what our future is going to be, that we're going to start living that way in the present, even if we're not all the way there yet. And so you see that in the Olympics, when those people, they're visualizing on that track or in that gymnastic stadium, they're visualizing to themselves what this is going to be like. And Paul is saying, visualize what it's going to be like for you to be in the resurrection. And this is what that's going to look like. Let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, and clamor, and slander be put away from you along with all malice. You know why? Because you're not going to see those things in the resurrection. They are not going to be there. And so fake it till you make it. Those things are probably going to pop up in your life. Get forgiveness. And then go about the rest of your life getting prepared for the resurrection by putting those things away. And instead of those things, bring these things. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Fake it till you make it. And it might feel kind of wrong for us to sort of think about faking our Christianity, but if you think about it, you're a dirty sinner, and what I'm asking you to do is to fake being a righteous saint. Because you're not all the way there yet, but Jesus has promised that you will be all the way there yet because of what He did on that cross by forgiving you of your sins. That your future is actually being a holy, blameless, righteous saint. And so, just try to act like it. And that's where Paul brings this all back together. Therefore, be imitators of God, as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Fake it till you make it. Not in a negative way. Not telling people that you got a knife fight when you didn't. But living out what you actually know is your future. The resurrection of all flesh. When you will be a holy, blameless, righteous saint. Who has put away anger and malice and all sorts of other evil things. And replaced them with love and forgiveness and caring. Amen.